0: Welcome to Well Played, a podcast on all things playful and joyous. The Well Played group is made up of educators passionate about making learning immersive and fun. Today we have John Meehan. Uh, John, if you could introduce yourself. You are new to Well Played. We're super excited to have you here. Uh, Give us a little uh, rundown, a little bio.
1: Sure. Um, So my name is John. I'm an instructional coach and an English teacher at a high school, a private Catholic high school um, in Arlington, Virginia. Um, this is my eighth year of teaching. And, um, uh, I've been always involved with like student centered classrooms. I, I actually was a, a teacher, a career changer. I know you come from advertising. I came from marketing. Um, so it, it's nice. really similar. Um, and I, and I didn't know how to do the teaching thing, but I knew how to engage audiences. Right. So I figured, well, lead with engagement. Uh, and so from my first day in my first classroom, that was always my, my guiding mantra. I actually started in the, uh, the public schools in Prince George's County, Maryland which are some of the uh, lowest performing schools in the country. Um, So I was working really on the front lines of the achievement gap, trying to find ways to get kids engaged, finding that a teacher's passion could really be infectious through the classroom. Um, And so putting it in language and in in terms and uh, accessible ways that kids could understand was really great for my standardized test scores. So I've always done little, uh, I guess, dribs and drabs of gamified stuffs. Uh, but it's t- taken me a long time to kind of come around on this idea of a full-on gamif- gamified classroom or a, a gamified a pedagogy, because I uh, I think eight years of instructional uh, coaching and teaching. So now I'm, I'm in charge of professional development and things like that. Sure. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of people promising you those silver bullets in education, right? And I and I have to as part of my job be a skeptic because there's a lot of snake oil salesmen just looking to kind of I don't know. It's the next great thing that really doesn't have have academic grit and rigor to kind of move. So that, yep. that's kind of my long story of how I got here.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I love this topic today because uh, well, I, mean, I think one, it's important to be reflective on what we offer students and what we put in front of them. And I mean, this is, I always say to my students, this is their one time to do sixth grade social studies. Uh, this is my one time of teaching them and I want to make sure I'm putting forth kind of the best best I can offer them. So I mean, I think it's good that you have that sort of skeptic eye. Um, but on the other hand too, I think it's important that we evolve and we like try new things. And so that's really hard. I think probably for a guy in your position as an instructional coach to sort of weed through all that snake oil, right? Like those people are probably quick to tell you like, just, Hey John, just bring me into your school. Let me talk to some people or let me sell you this program or this app and all will be well. Like if we just get kids all loaded into our app,
1: Oh man, I, I can't tell you how many times I have to politely nod and just uh, just wait to the big ask, which is how much is this going to cost me, right? Yeah. Um, because it's you know for the low low price of X, um, or it's the same thing dressed up in a different package, and I think that's a good thing in some ways that we're always being self-reflective that there really is nothing new under the sun. You know, the Socratic method is is, is timeless, <laughs> right. and putting it in the hands of a student doesn't require an app to do it. But that said, there. There are these great apps and tools available to kind of make that uh just just faster and if you look at your summary model right ways to improve your instruction or redefine what instructional tasks could look like sure um, through that one of the things that you you've said repeatedly i guess in, in both your book and in your, your podcast is that the game of school is like a it's not a well-designed game um it's a, a poorly designed game
0: is is that about what you, you that is a it? fair statement yep it is yeah, I mean, it's got levels it's got points right but there's only one way to play it, and
1: and I, have so much of the reading and research because a big part of my job is
0: really trolling Twitter.
1: Uh, I'm big on Twitter. Um, if 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 teachers are not yet on Twitter, that is the first step towards breaking down teacher isolation. Um, I, I, I jumped on my education Twitter maybe four or five years ago, and it has complete. I mean, it got me this job as an instructional coach. Um, but also then taking those ideas and putting them right into my classroom, like I call my classroom the sandbox, like. I just want to see what kind of crazy castles the kids can build. So I just give them new tools and toys and strategies and sure. see what happens. Um, but being connected on Twitter and starting to see that those trends are out there um, is really eye opening um, to, to connect with people. And all the smart people in the same places are saying you need to put it in a place that student voice is amplified by student choice and meaningful choice um, to sort of drive their instruction, but to become architects of their own education. Um, and that for me was. The tipping point i guess when i when i found my way into um the fully gamified stuff through the um first through, uh, george kuros and the uh, innovators mindset which is i mean a godsend of a book um uh, george is a great guy and he's, he's his book is so smart um that led me down the rabbit hole of the dave burgess stuff which yeah. then got me into uh, uh the dish the tech dish that textbook uh the dish summit um and because i had nothing to do over the christmas break i figured i'd kick the tires of that car and see what that looked like where i saw your first uh Presentation and then I and I was like, all right, let me give this a go. You picked up a new uh, a convert to the XP lap. Yeah, and I, I had a chance to read your book, and uh, over a long flight, uh, I think it was to Austria or Germany. I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but <laughs> it's time to jump in. Man.
0: That's um, awesome. I do remember getting that tweet when you're like, I'm in the airport and I'm like reading your entire book.
1: Yes. Um, so the good thing about international flights is there's not much else to do other than read books that you download. And because you can't play on the Internet and like, do the normal stuff that would distract you from it, it's like, okay, Wow Airlines only flies through Reykjavik once a day, so you're just spending a lot of time in airports. And the yep. an expert app was a, was a, was a, a page turner enough for a read. And then I think by the time I contacted you about having connected with it, I probably read it through twice. Um, I went back and read George's book uh, two or three times, and I had a chance to meet him in uh, the Virginia ASCD. He was the keynote this year. Um, So I'm just geeking out of all what these things, like smart people are saying the same things. Mm -hmm. And it it sort of breaks down that hesitation that, um, I don't know, it's just like somebody who's like a snake oil salesman, and that's the easiest way to put it.
0: No, that's good. Um, So a question I have is, you know, as you, D- dove into that, right? You, you started with that skeptic lens. So as you, maybe I guess starting with the ditch summit presentation when you when you heard that, I'm sure you went into that presentation thing. And here's another snake oil salesman. Very much so. This is yeah. gonna this is gonna revolutionize your classroom. And it didn't help that you. I
1: mean, it it, it, it is sort of sticky and I appreciate shtick, but like here's this guy. He comes in with a bow tie, and he's gonna be like a pirate. Like get out. I mean enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that you take that in, in, the, in the kindest way possible. I, was like, I will. Oh, they had like Tuesdays, and I was like, here we go. Um, it's just somebody trying to dress up, you know, lipstick on a pig, right? Um, but I, I, have to say that I was, I was kind of half listening. I was packing up my bags for the for my uh, my winter trip, and I was like, okay, there's some there's some teeth to this. I, I have to, I have to do do more listening. Um, but if I keep telling my kids over and over again, you know, that they have to be willing to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my break. I am not obligated to do this, and I could just as easily if the book sucks, just shut it, yeah, uh, and uh, and go back to like you know something you know, more more popcorn uh, reading, but it it was enough to get me to say all right, let me lean in because I've seen it done so poorly, I guess, so many times. Um, I go to a lot of education conferences, um, like I said on Twitter, there's always people shaking your tree asking for something, um, and I and I think healthy skepticism is really important with good education, totally. um, because you know done done in a slapdash fashion it's, it's lacking intentionality and it's lacking this through line that there's a real reason for anything that's happening in the classroom and and kids can kind of smell a rat when they're just they feel patronized i guess um, so i I'm, I'm always looking out for what puts the student first and if this was just a, a shallow mechanic to to you know be, be window dressing to appeal to the kid like thanks but that's a hard pass on on where i
0: i see yeah, and that's the thing that I like. I don't know. I really try really hard to put out there, and I love the XP Lab community because these teachers are running with, I think, meaningful, well-intentioned, well-designed game mechanics that are elevating the students and the learning. And uh, <laughs> it does it does hurt because there are lots of you know cheap gamification out there, and sadly, it's the stuff. It's the most accessible, so it's the most done. And then it puts so many people off. They're like, well, you know, I've tried Class Dojo and, you know, I was just giving kids points every day and I don't want to be that guy just giving points. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy either. Like, that doesn't work.
1: Right.
0: Um, and I think what was was transformational, so
1: I landed after your book and I had George's book uh, and I'm working with these things in tandem. I had read, read uh, Greg Topo's book. I think he's a writer for USA Today. He has a, a book called um, the Game Believes in You. Uh, it's about how digital play can make our kids smarter. Um, and I had a chance to see him present at a conference uh, some time ago. So I was, I was always kind of, this was on the back burner. Um, but his book is talking about, I, I love the title, The Game Believes in You. Um, you cite Zelda a lot. as, as I a, do. As it's a one of my favorite shot. games. Oh my gosh. Like, um, I, I can't i can't say how many times i played that game through. And then immediately after I'm done, I want to go right back and play the game. I know, it's just so um, good. Like if To Kill a Mockingbird is the perfect book, this may be the perfect video game. Um, there's it. just so much it does right, right? Um, but I love the story about uh, how when creating it, um, so first as an English teacher, that the, the Zelda princess is inspired by Zelda Fitzgerald. I love it. Um, but then you read about the game creation and you're, you're finding out that they wanted to bring that sense of adventure in. Um, so they're like watching Indiana Jones and they wanted a game to feel like Indiana Jones. And it's like, oh man. So that taking away the sword was the first mechanic that they created into the game to force you to do some exploration, that um, yep. the game is infinitely more fun when you're rewarded for looking for stuff. Yep. Um, that onboarding bonus is is so big because you feel really smart and you're like, "Hang on, this will reward me to just try blowing things up, or yeah. trying to like move down doors." Um, those stupid lost woods, you find it for hours, and, and I you hated those. It, right? ah. um, and,
0: and Everyone so, that is listening to this that has played Zelda just had like. I don't know, just a million groans just went, ugh.
1: How many hours are spent, or like in the water temple in the later games? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, um, but what was really helpful for me was I read uh, Yukai Chow's book, um, Actionable Gamification, Beyond yep. Points, Badges, and Readerboards. Um, that will take you a lifetime to read. If you have a nine hour flight back from um, Austria, I recommend it. Um, but it is like 504 pages about this octalysis framework and how different types of gamers work. And it's like, oh man, this is, this is science, and this is real. Um, and it can't just be a one-to-one substitution like you see on some, and I, I don't mean to slag on Class Dojo because for classroom management, that's great. Um, but even things like I saw in the early proto gaming stuff like like ClassCraft, um, it's it's almost a one-to-one substitution of your points and your leaderboards are really just another way to recognize the kids who are already doing well in the class um, or on the bad end of things, I guess, to sort of punish soft skill behaviors that really are just classroom management issues and you really shouldn't be accounting for that in anything that really feels like a game. Um, And I know that those are are highly, you know, customizable and teachers can change that. But I think that puts a lot of people off from gamification. Um, So I love, again, uh, Yukai's book that he talks about going beyond this PBLs, right? It's not just giving kids points for nothing, stuff for stuff's sake. Um, It's really how to re-envision, I guess, your pedagogy so that the class rewards that exploration like you saw in the Zelda games.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like... All good points, and I hope, like, the listeners here are, like, they're, they're if you're new to gamification, you know, like, just, I guess, recognize there there are many levels to it, and, you know, don't be put off by some of these easier entry points, uh, especially kind of like you were saying at the beginning, your role, where a lot of those are asking for money, right? Like, a lot of them, it's like, here's a, here's a custom, you know, here's Classcraft. It's an off-the-shelf experience. I challenge any teacher, what is your best, most favorite treasured lesson or project? I guarantee you no teacher says it's an off-the-shelf product. Everybody's like it's the thing they cooked up. And be intentional, like take a little time, build your own little game experience, and it's not as hard as you think. I completely agree. And like, so this is where I'm dipping my
1: toes in, and I'm realizing it's echoing the same things that I I started with. like it takes me back to, I knew nothing about teaching to get into it. I had an undergraduate degree in English and then a, a master's degree in English. And I just spent time working as like PR and marketing, um, for, for the school that I, that I actually graduated from. Um, so when I made the switch to want to get into teaching, I was like, well, I know how to engage an audience, but I don't know how to engage a student. And I really don't know the mechanics of studenthood. Um, yep. It's been a long time since I've been one, um, But my first inclination was I was teaching a story uh, called uh, The Interlopers. And it's just like a short story in in one of these books. Um, And it was about two guys who meet in like the Russian woods. And one is intruding on the other's land. So there's a feud for many generations. And um, they want to kill each other by nightfall. But as they do, I think a tree falls on them and squashes them both. And then they're pinned under the tree. And we find out they thought they were interloping on one another's land now the wilderness comes alive at night and it's going to eat them alive. So we have to figure out how to help one another if it's before it's too late. Um, my first inclination was to turn the lights off in the classroom um, and to teach this for my students like it's an immersive setting, like imagine yep. yourself in the world. Uh, and that, in that very small way, is gamification. It's, it it's is. creating world building, you know? Um, and, and that's that's not a particularly advanced mechanic. It's just close your eyes and envision it's, it. It's, it's creating that sense of wonder and intrigue curiosity
0: yeah so many things yeah I often say that too like I think gamification can just be about building experiences so even if you don't want to have like a tied together huge game even just doing like you said this sort of let's build this experience let's boom it's nightfall the trees are coming alive boom put like some soundtrack of some crickets and you know all of a sudden it's like that lesson that lecture that class discussion takes out a whole nother meaning
1: and it, it becomes at a certain point like that's then how you start to think about how to approach lesson planning because it's not like edutainment it's take 30 seconds and figure out a way that this could feel a little bit more alive for students um you know i did a, a lesson on the christmas carol um charles dickens which is like my all-time favorite christmas book um and i was inspired by that scene from elf where you go away at night and the department store is boring you come back in the next day for Santa and he's done it up to their minds. And so I was like, how can I make this pattern for my kids? Um, so I had them write on pieces of paper uh, that they made into like little Christmas tree snowflakes, um, like their favorite holiday memory. Um, and then they left and they thought that was it. The next day I had decorated the entire classroom with hundreds of these snowflakes and it looks like the whole place is snowing. And that's the day we celebrate Christmas present and the idea of like coming alive. And every kid could not stop paying attention to that, that class. Um, it's that little step extra that a teacher is already doing um, and puts so much of their heart into it that now gives it, I guess, a, a clear through line for a narrative. And, and to be able to anchor it back um, really gives a cohesion to things that makes it uh, that much more memorable
0: and that much more in- in- engaged and enduring, I think. Yeah. No. So back to, I guess, just that general principle of skepticism. Sure. Uh, what have you, I mean, like, how do you feel now? I mean, I guess it sounds like you're liking it, but let's go yeah. more to the point. Like, so, so I, and we're recording this, I guess it's January 18.
1: Um, I finished reading your book, maybe January one. Um, <laughs> like I'm 17 days into the, the, the deep end here. Um, but I, I decided uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a full gamified uh, rollout. I have an honors American literature class. Um, and I have two sections of that. So we started yesterday. Um, and the skepticism I think is now what I, I'm so happy and so thankful that I come from a skeptic viewpoint because then immediately I'm finding it has to be bulletproof. If anyone has any questions, um, cause sure. I want to be able to, there's a what and a why behind it. It's not just, I mean, these are honors 11th graders in high school, like there is a big, um, risk if this doesn't work and it can't just be, well, we're playing games, we're rolling some dice and figuring it out. Um, so that, because I'm coming from that. That skeptic's mindset. I talk about um, felt, found, and feel a lot in my in my job. Like, here's what I felt about this thing. Here's what I found about this thing. And here's now how I'm feeling. Um, to be able to move with somebody and say, I see where your skepticism comes from. Um, I share that. If this mecha- mechanic is shallow in any way, um, this won't work, and this is a waste of everybody's time. And I mean, I'm get, getting paid a salary to sit there and waste people's time. It's a question for why I would even have a job. Um, right. Yeah. So, risk is huge um but at the same time i rolled out this week uh, with my students and it's just a one-off uh because we only have one day for the onboarding before we go away for a weekend and you could just watch the brain spinning like it. so what you're saying is and i don't have to and hold on i'm and you're saying yeah, yeah <laughs> you figure it out, man um immediately then the back channels are blowing up because as teachers, we have to recognize our students have back channels of communication through text messages. Sure. through Snapchat, Snapchat and everything. Yeah. They're talking about your class. Um, and if you're not helping to shape that narrative, they're shaping that narrative for you. Um, so Good now point. there's a of curiosity and wonder. And, um, you know, I see my kids in the hallway and like, Hey, can we talk more about the, I'm like, you know, it'll, it'll come, it'll come again, like back to the top book. The game really does believe in you. It doesn't. It doesn't give you all the rules up front, and you've been really, you know, so good about uh, the Explorer like a pirate. Walks us through that. You, you don't have to know everything. Nope. To get started, um, which can alleviate a lot of that skepticism, as long as people can see that it's rooted in this idea of a student-centered experience. That as you're breaking the rules or making the rules, you're always doing it with the best interest of a child at in 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 the very foremost of your brain.
0: Which is exactly like what a game designer does. I mean a game designer puts that player in the center of all experiences and as they design you know they're constantly trying to kinda max out that experience and you know push the person, make it challenging because a game that isn't I guess like challenging enough, it's not rewarding enough to to slave away, you know I mean like if you work really hard and it just doesn't, or maybe I should say not work really hard, if you just like get to level 2 and it's super easy you might not hang out and do this game experience again.
1: And I don't know if it was in, in, in your book or on Twitter or in, in you guys' book, but it, it, someone said in, in game design, you have to focus on what you want the player to feel, yeah. not what you want the player to do. Because yeah. if you can focus on those feelings, like if you want them to feel pressure or tension, if you want them to feel excitement or joy, then you design the mechanics from there. You don't go, well, I need them to do X, so I'm just going to make a game out of X
0: the you thing think? that I, the thing i found like since doing this is i mean that strikes right at the heart of it right cuz as teachers yes our job might be to communicate a certain set of content or standards or whatever general life principles but the reality is we we teach human beings yeah. right you know like i the, 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 we're not teaching a bunch of file cabinets that we just have to put these folders in so you know when you when you aim at the feeling, when you aim at the emotion, um, you what you're doing, you're connecting, right? You're connecting as a as a human being to another human being. And I guarantee you, if that is the center of your instruction, you are going to be a successful teacher. And you it, will it, you will file those papers then.
1: But Yeah, I mean the filing comes as a result. I mean like the idea of you say a human human centered instructor Yeah. Human centered um you know, we're having this conversation now, you teach middle school history, I teach high school English. But the secret is, and I say to my principal all the time, I don't teach English, I use English to teach people. Um, and yep. you use the game to get people excited about learning. And, and and I know that, again, back to the skeptics, there are people who say, aren't you doing too much? Aren't you dressing it up? like? The real world isn't like that. And I hate that phrase, the real world, too, because for these kids, this is their real world. Like, this is their everyday. This is their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations, their fears, their struggles. And to tell them the real world is the main character's name on page X of a book is is really quite insulting to their their experience. Um, But the world outside of academia is using gamification to very real numbers across the board. Something like 70% of Fortune 500 companies, I saw an article in Fortune magazine, are using some sort of gamification that because something as simple as like rewards points or frequent flyer miles, something like giving levels of circles of like, you know, the gold circle, the bronze circle, when you give monies to stuff, or when you come to a banquet or a gala, it's themed in a certain way. Like that's all gamification in very small ways. And that's what the real world looks like. Um, So to tell students who are children that they're not allowed to have that level of fun when that's being built into the same things that incentivize adults um, from the most successful companies in the in the planet you know i just can't rectify that And i think it's important to, to make your way through that wall too
0: no i mean good it is a good point but uh i mean it's so true though like the the real world is using it in fact school is i mean you're now you're maybe you are getting my snake oil salesman here but like <laughs> schools schools are the ones that are way late to the party Like i have said it before i don't think that every classroom should be a gamified experience you know blah blah but like right now i think that it's i feel safe in saying it is happening in like one one thousandth of a percent of schools in the united states so like that's too low though like like we, we can handle a little more gamification in education um but also to that that story you tell uh i really like the idea of um getting oh sorry lost train of thought there getting people (laughs) to recognize that uh, the real world i I just hate that phrase the real world isn't that way because you know what the real world is what we choose to make it you know like i love my job i love going to work i i do get to be creative i do get to think outside the box and you know what i am an adult i am living a real world i i I have a car i have a house Mm -hmm. i I got stuff right, and I'm loving my life. Like, and I get to do these I, creative things.
1: I was on, and like this plane story is, you know, just a small example. Like, I'm on a plane, and I don't have access to index cards or like a proper notebook. So I just bust out my iPhone, and I just start taking notes on all these books I'm reading. And it then turns into like ideas for player types and ideas for side quests and ideas. Yeah. For, and I, I take this and eventually turn into a Microsoft Word document or a, a Google Doc because we live in the future. Um, and I got 50 pages right there, you know, and it's be written on an iPhone. Um, there's just so much stuff that the, the traditional way was one way. Um, and that's not a bad thing at all. I think I don't think every classroom should be gamified. I don't even think that 50% of classes should be gamified. Um, because I think that there are certain things that it presupposes. You have to have an outstanding relationship with your students. You, they have to trust you and trust that process. Um, they have to know that they're safe to take risks in your classroom And that those risks will be rewarded with new knowledge and with new questions, not with penalties and punishments. Um, Having said that, if you have those things as a baseline and so many young educators and so many uh, millennial educators, which is just even younger than than my generation, I'm I'm a little older on the end of the millennial spectrum. um, More and more, this is the language they're speaking in their classroom. This is the type of thing that can really work for them. And I think that that's really empowering to to know that, that you really have tremendous agency to make moves happen that resonate with, like you said, I'm an adult, I have a car, I have a house, I, I love my life, and I'm allowed to make up my own rules. Well, you know what? We can do the same thing with this. Who says it has to be played the same way it was?
0: Yeah, well, and, and I think we know, right? Like The world has changed so much in the last 20 years, I'm, and it seems to only be more rapidly changing with technology. So I'm pretty certain the world these kids will grow up and live in will, will be markedly different than the world we grew up and so to, to make the comment like the real world doesn't work that way like ah that's so pedantic that's like not like a valuable comment to make i agree and the thing is too um for both you and I, i'm
1: really encouraged by this conversation That we really haven't talked about technology at all we're just talking about people um, technology is is a facilitator to that we mentioned one video game as a case study but like you know you watch a movie and that story comes alive because of what the character was able to do to that department store um, or Indiana Jones is able to go questing like Indiana Jones is an old movie. I mean, they're making new ones for forever, which is great. Um, but that's like, you know, 30 years old, this idea of that spirit of adventure, this, this people just, it's, it's Aristotle, all men by nature desire to know, you know, that's, yep. that's old as it gets for education. stuff.
0: And to tap into that is really, really empowering for kids. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just, for me and my style and who I am, I have never had a, a greater connection and and as you described, like kids talking about things in the hall, thinking and just that, that palpable excitement and enthusiasm. And I think it's because you have invited students to truly be not just a participant in your class, but like truly like a member, right? Like you, you made them part of the game um, and part of the experience and in a, in a way that I don't think happens outside of gamification because you're now building, a, like we said, a, a, truly an experience, whether it's just that light off experience or a well thought out and constructed like level system that they move through.
1: And you co-create together, right? I mean, I think about that that Disney movie, Moana, um, about being explorers, what I, I loved it. Like the first 15 minutes is like the story of every educator's life. We want to sail beyond the horizon, but we're so afraid. Um, that, that, that theme song is like the village believes in you. Like you can do it, man. Um, I don't know how this game will go. I don't know how this chapter will unfold. You're writing it with me. And I think that that empowering moment where you say, look, I have the pedagogy piece of it, but you have the gameplay mechanics. You'll figure it out um, and we'll learn it together. Um, I think that to be able to give that agency to a, to a student, um, th- that makes you want to come back tomorrow because the class will be fundamentally different if you don't show up. Um, who doesn't want that in their classroom? I mean, who doesn't, you know, how many times does a student go through the day and never talk or never have their voice affect the nature of a conversation? And if you ask them that question, I think you wrote in your book. Um, like, would the day have been different if you weren't there? And they're like, nope, not really. Nope, I don't know. That, that can't be true in an era of 24-7 news media, Snapchats and news feeds and Facebook and Twitter. Like, we need to do better.
0: Yep, no, it's so true. And the world they live in is so much faster. So to to be at school there's definitely a strength in moving slow and being intentional, but like we could probably move a little faster in certain areas so that students feel a little more connected to the classroom. Um, And I think gamification is one of the ways to do that. There are other ways, obviously. um, Well, John, it is uh, that time. It's reflection time. We're at. 28 minutes here and we wanna just uh, be respectful of these people's prep periods and drives to work. Um, So you ready for today's quote? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right, this one comes from a little known uh, mathematician, Albert Einstein. Uh, You should look him up, he's a good guy. Uh, His quote really fits, I think, today's topic. Uh, Blind belief in authority is the greatest enemy of truth. How How does that ring in your ear today?
1: Wow. Um, so this is good. Um, and, and that you leave with Einstein. It's really hard to like challenge that, right? Um, <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah, I mean, I can't say that he hasn't done infinitely better. Um, but to point to somebody who's a certifiable genius and say the reason why uh, you're able to do what is different is because you try it. Um, that you step outside of uh, the norms. You know, there's that quote about those who say it can't be done should stay out of the way or stop interrupting those who are, who are doing it. Yeah, um, exactly. This, I think, this idea of this is the way we've always done it with the air quotes, is is the single most damaging thing um, if it's not rooted in good data, good research, and good um, finger on the pulse for where a culture has to be. Um, I'm I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm not saying you know reinvent wheels, but I'm saying is there a better way that can be can then it can be done? And if the answer is yes, do we not owe it to ourselves and to the next generation of learners to 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 take that on as, as, a, as, a, as a, you know, a teaching is a vocation. It's not just a job. Like we don't do it for the money. Um, we have to, we have to challenge them to be self, uh, motivated and, and, and to challenge us even on things. Um, this is a, this is an awesome way to sort of model that. I think that that,
0: yeah, uh, for me, I just think, uh, in education, we often don't question the, the present, like whatever, whatever's there, whatever the tradition is, whatever we've done before, that's that's not in question. But whenever you pitch like a new idea, like hey, we should do standard-based grade, it's like wow, like prove to me this is going to be worthy. But it's like no, no one's asking you to prove our current grade system. You know, like I think relooking at these things are important. I'm also like thinking of the quote. It hit me like, take the Constitution. I think that that is like an amazing document. But what makes that an amazing document is it's self-reflective. Like yeah. it is not set in stone. It is not written on tablets, right? Like we, a built-in a clause that says we, we plan on this as a thing that needs to be under constant scrutiny. Yeah. So like let's not in education say, well, this is this is the way we do it. This is the way we always done tradition is I teach at a private school, we're big on tradition, and there are some awesome pieces of tradition, but all Absolutely. of those traditions deserve to be re-looked at, like, I mean, take hazing, right, like, that that used to be a big thing, and like, it was tradition, and it was okay to do, now almost all colleges that's stamped out, like, you don't haze anymore. Um, And I think that certain
1: traditions need to endure, but they need to be a a, a product of reflection constantly, because just that it is capital T, the way, um, can lead to some very scary places. Um, it's a very dangerous places academically and educationally. And
0: I don't think that that's what any of us signed up for when we took this job. Agreed. Well, John, thank you for coming on the show today. I'd uh, love, to, love to have you on again. Uh, great conversation with you. Um, everybody else, thanks for listening in. Tuning in it is a true like honor and pleasure to have these conversations with you guys weekly. Uh, I hope you guys have a pleasure driving into your job. Um, I'm on Twitter, too. If
1: you guys want to find me, I'm at MeehanDJL, and I would love to catch up with anybody and extend the PLN. You guys are awesome. You inspire me every day, um, and I really appreciate all the work that you guys do.
0: Yeah, I'll put John's Twitter handle in the show notes. Uh, Connect with him on Twitter. And if you guys could also check out explorelikeapirate.com for other ways to sort of connect and join in the community, whether that's Twitter or YouTube or this podcast, Uh, go there. Check it out. Uh, As always, enjoy your week and play on.